Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Canuck Podcast. So glad that you tracked us down. I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, as promised, this is part two of our interview with Zachary King. And on the last episode, we talked about his powerful testimony of where he was a high wizard in the Church of Satan for many years. It looked like an impossible case. But this is where God comes through. This is where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can really pull people out of impossible situations. When you think all all hope is lost, well, that's when God sends his grace in order to save us. And there's never a burden that's too great or, or too big for us to overcome. I know even in temptations, it seems like it's just so overwhelming. It's, it's just so large that we don't think we can get through it. But God always sends his grace and his help. And speaking of help, we got the saints that will help us as well and intercede for us. And St. Padre Pio has a lot of interesting things to say about temptation and battling temptation because we live in a spiritual battle, of course. One of the quotes he says is, we must prepare for temptation if we want to approach God. Another one he says, despise the temptation and embrace the tribulation. And finally, he says, there is joy in the spiritual battles. Learn how to fight and you will be certain of victory. And indeed, Jesus Christ has already won the victory when he died on the cross for our sins in Calvary. And he opened the doors for us to have that opportunity to go to heaven, to take those graces, all the graces that flow from the church, from the church that he has given us through the sacraments, through sacramentals. We have so many great gifts, so many great tools, amazing tools that we can use on our path to eternal life. So in the second half of our chat with Zach King, we talk a little bit about the snares that the devil puts out for us and seemingly things that maybe look innocent from the outside but aren't so great. And he also has some great insights and makes a great plea actually for people to receive the Holy Eucharist on their tongue to avoid desecration not only of of people simply taking communion and uh, having particles of the Holy Host in their hands where it could be wiped on their articles of clothing or falling to the floor, but also the times we know this is happening where the Holy Eucharist gets stolen and is used for evil purposes. I think this is something that is is more than food for thought. I think it's something that we should all discern. And of course, we need to discern our souls and make sure that we're in a state of grace when we receive Jesus, first and foremost. But second, how we receive him, what is our disposition, and what is the most reverent way to receive our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. And just because you receive communion on your tongue doesn't mean you're more holy than your neighbor or your other parishioner. But I think it's a great statement of faith and, and you know, we can really use more belief in the real presence of the Eucharist in our church today. We've seen the statistics. We could use a lot more of that. And I think this is one way that we can show um, in our disposition, our outward disposition, that we really truly believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So, hey, enough from me. This is part two of our chat with Zachary King. If you missed our first one, you can always double back to our very previous episode with Zach. But this is part two. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friend. Well, Zachary, I want to get uh, into a little bit about the, uh, the, sh- the pitfalls, the spiritual pitfalls of what people go through in general, but especially young people and, and the, um, the snares that, that the devil sets out for them. I want to start with something it, it kind of just from your your testimony some of these great stories that you're you're sharing with us we talk about magic and sometimes we think of magic um, 
there's a there's a difference i'm sure you you'd probably agree between magic with a c at the end and magic with a k at the end right so some people might think of magic as you know a card trick or a, or a rabbit coming out of a hat that's more like a, they call it a sleight of hand right or a, kind oh, of an yeah, illusion that's, that's a little sorry what was that Zach? sorry that's magic with a c at the end right exactly so and there's some some people are very good at it and they could do it and people are like how in the world did this person do it well he did it just by you know distraction again a sleight of hand something an illusion of some sort but there's nothing that's uh, dark about it right but yeah. there have been uh, you know illusionists or um they call themselves illusionists um that that i've seen in the past sometimes just stumble across them i think of hypnotism as well and i'd like to your your insights on that as well but there's just something that's dark about it you know there's there's a difference i think in I think everybody has this, you know, you, you look at something and say, okay, you know, that I was amazing that I saw this guy do this card trick or something, but there's nothing nefarious about it. But then there's certain things that happen, you know, uh, you know, these, these so-called magic tricks that happen. You're like, something's not quite right about what I just saw here. There's, Am I onto something here, Zachary? Is there, is there another world that sometimes gets involved with these tricks and these illusions? First off, to, to your listening audience, if you want to see an amazing show, it's old now, but it was Penn and Teller Fool Us. And you can find it on YouTube. And they have this, they have this show where that you come on there and you show them a magic trick. And if you can do a trick that they can't figure out how to do it, you win money. And I have watched shows. I was not a wizard. I could do anything. And I'm watching somebody do something that I know is fake. And I can't figure it out. I'm just blown away by how smooth they're able to do this. Now, remember, keep this in mind when you're watching that. That's how smooth Satanists can steal the host. It's that sleight of hand that you can't see. And that's how they're able to steal a host. Then they take it out and they sell it usually for about $5,000. So the, the, the difference in the C and the K, magic is sleight of hand, magic or illusion. K magic is M-A-G-I-C-K. It's satanic magic. And it was originally spelled right. with a K by Aleister Crowley, who wanted to differentiate satanic magic from other magic. I was in New York City um, probably around the late 80s. And I was in a pub. And I was just there to get lunch and maybe have a beer. And I think it was the late 80s. It could have been the 90s. But David Blaine walked in. And they seemed to know him in the, in the, the pub. Everybody knew him. Like he's waving to everybody, talking to everybody. And he walks up to us and asks us if we want to see a magic spell. I'm dressed like the high wizard. And he just kind of walked right up to me. You know, I was like, want to see a magic spell or a magic trick? I was like, sure. Impress me with something. So he pulls out a deck of cards and he tells us to pick a card. He tells me to pick a card. So I look through the cards and I pick one and he says, memorize it. And I see the card I've got and it's like the 10 of Kings. And he has me put it back in the deck. And then 
he takes his own, he's wearing a hat. He takes his hat off and he puts the deck of cards in there and he pours a lighter fluid all over them and throws a match in it. And they go up. I mean, they're puff of smoke pretty much. And they're all on fire. And the bartender is like, stop doing that in my bar. And gives him a pitcher of water and he dumps it out. And then he's like, all right, let me search through here. And as he's searching through, and there's a bunch of singed cars, and there's some of them are char charcoal, they're gone. And he's looking through and they're all falling apart. And he's like, I don't, I don't see your card anywhere. He didn't see what card I took out. So he doesn't know what I took out, but he's saying, I don't, I don't see your card anywhere. Check your pocket. No one's been next to me. It's my guys. This is my entourage. My entourage are the only people that are near me. And my guys haven't touched me. And I stuck my hand in my pocket and pulled out the singed 10 of clubs card that he gave me or 10 of Kings card that he gave me. That was the card I put back in his deck and it was singed as if it had been on fire. Hmm. Now it's in my pocket. That Something not right there. Hey, that, <laughs> wow. that had to be real magic. Hmm. I don't know how he did that. Time didn't stand still. He didn't stop me and, move something move time and matter that didn't happen my guys are standing next to me and my guys were like whoa how do you do that and they're they're even saying that's got to be real magic and then he said well i can also levitate and i said so can i and he goes well you show me how high you can levitate and i'll show you how high i can levitate so we both start levitating mm -hmm. we're levitating i took off my hat so i didn't hit my hat on the the ceiling and the part we're at has a low ceiling so it's probably only about eight feet up but we both go all the way up to the ceiling and we're both just looking at each other and everybody in the bar is looking at us and then we both lower back down and he's like see you around and then he walked out right we have to be careful with these things, right? Like there's, you know, you see these guys that do things on TV or on, on online and it almost seems like a, also an invitation for the curious, right? Uh, uh, curiosity, especially amongst, amongst young people and adults alike, for sure. I wanted to ask you about hypnotism, Zachary. What are your thoughts on hypnotism? I've seen it a couple of times going through, a, you know, a small town fair or something like that where they, they bring people up. Uh, the, one of the more disturbing things I, I saw was was they brought a bunch of children, uh, you know, in that kind of that eight to ten year old range, and uh, I was just kind of watching, kind of passing by. They bring these kids up. Something weird happened, you know, just there in front of everybody. But you know, when when they get into the state, is this something that that is? Would you consider demonic? Is this something that's uh, that's an illusion? What 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 are your thoughts on on hypnotism? You're supposed to, if you're going to get hypnotism to help you stop smoking or to help some perpetual habit that you have that you can't break free of, you have to go get a dispensation from a priest. You have to go clear it with the priest to make sure you're allowed to do it. And then he has to give you a dispensation and pray over you. I mean, it's serious okay. enough that it takes 
somebody who's got consecrated hands by the bishop to bless you so that you're mm -hmm. not possessed from it. Because it's supposed to be that if you hypnotize somebody, you're opening them up. And yes. opening them up for something to fill that. You know what's interesting about that, Zachary? I'll, I'll just make a, a quick point on this one. Um, there's, I've, from what I've observed, when people are hypnotized, usually it's something that um, that's actually embarrassing for the person that's hypnotized. They're supposed to imagine right. people in a certain state, and everybody laughs at them, and then they come out of it, and, and it's it's a really embarrassing time. I just that's why it, it's not from Christ when you see something like that. There was also an event that I went at. Uh, went to several years ago, there was a hypnotist. Most of the people there were Catholic. And so there was some, you know, some ignorance. There were some people there that felt uncomfortable with the situation and didn't participate. But when this person called people up to the, to the front stage and was trying to hypnotize people, it was, I think there was about 12 people that went up. And I remember that I was, I actually went to the back and I was just, I don't really want to be a part of this. So I was, I was praying and I noticed there's actually some guys around me. I was like, you guys out here for the same reason? They're like, yeah, and we're kind of praying or whatever, right? Like, we're just kind of getting out of here. I went and I was just watching to see what was hope happening. None of the people got hypnotized. And uh, that was very uh, profound for me. And, and the person that was up there doing this, he was really embarrassed, right? Because nobody... Everybody's kind of laughing at him, like this guy's a joke, right? Like we're all just sitting here looking at him, and he's trying to hypnotize us, and none of us are. Nothing's changing for us, and everybody just went back to their seats, and it was an embarrassing time for him, and everybody was really awkward. And I was like, "Oh, hold on a second. I think God's trying to trying to send us a message of some sort here. We have people praying. We have a lot of people here that are Catholics that are baptized. There's a spiritual presence here of some sort, right? I think that the good the the good uh, the good spirit. The good, uh, the Holy Spirit was here with us to protect people, but um, that's an interesting. But so, yeah, I, I just wanted to point that out for for our listeners that uh, that was that was interesting thing that I that I had observed in the past. What happened with the kids that got hypnotized? Yeah. Okay. So the kids, yeah. So they were they were hypnotized uh, as well. Like this is a this was a county fair. There's probably about twenty people up there, um, and it was it, it, the most disturbing thing that I saw was that he was going and whispering in people's ears and they would instantly like just go to sleep. And the same thing happened to those kids. There's like a couple of them there. They just went to sleep. You know, they just kind of slumped over. I'm like, something is not right here. Um, any ideas of maybe what was, is there something that, that they do whisper in their ear? Is there something, or is it just a, yeah, what, what, what could possibly be going on there? I don't even know, Zachary. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was strange. My yeah. that I did, but we had people in our coven that could hypnotize people, and they would hypnotize you without you even knowing it. Hmm. They would get up and, with the power of suggestion, you know, they would just pass you and say, "Hey, follow me," and so you'd start following them, and they would lead you to something, and have you look at something on the board, and you. You're not being hypnotized. You can look at that board and see there's nothing on it. But the person that's being hypnotized is told to read the board and they're actually reading something. And then it, you're, you're asked like, what, what does that tell you? What, what does, what, what's it say on there? And it might be uh, some mathematical formula 
or the secret to something or the secret ingredient in KFC's chicken or the secret of the secret ingredients of Coca-Cola, but they can actually see whatever it is that they're being told is there. You know, and I was like, how do you do that? And he goes, it's just the power of suggestion. Hmm. It's like, yeah, but these people aren't susceptible to those things. Like when I try and do something like that, they just look at me and call me a fool, tell me to shut up. You know, you do it and they follow you right along. Hmm. And so I don't know what, it's almost like you have a part of your brain that is susceptible to evil. And if the right evil person taps into it, then you're like clay in his hands. Right. An important reminder for Catholics to live in a state of grace at all times, right, Zachary? I mean, that's we've got to stay close to Christ because the devil is real and evil is real. I want to quickly go back to something you said about... Oh, go ahead, Zach. Yep. You never know when your time is coming. For sure. You never know when God says, well, Mm -hmm. today's the day. This is the minute. This is your hour. Time to die, you know, and you're yeah. like, well, I'm not in a state of grace. Hmm. Like, don't yell out. I'm not in a state of grace. Start yelling forgiveness. Beg yes. for forgiveness. It's for mercy. Have your bags packed and ready to go, right? Right. The, the, right. Um, life is fleeting. The, 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 the brevity of life. You mentioned that uh, something that, that Satanists do. Um, it sounds like this is something that, that at least you've heard of. I don't know. I don't know if you were a part of it at the time, but uh, stealing hosts. Uh, this is something, a very serious topic, I think, in the Catholic Church. I think we need to take it more seriously. We see the decrease in the belief in the real presence of the Eucharist across the board amongst Catholics, which I think is, is, uh, is heartbreaking to see. It's the source of our of our Catholic faith is the Eucharist. It's unbelievable. What are your, yeah, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on the reception of the Eucharist? And of course, you know, we've we know, we know okay, some Catholics are going to say, well, it's permitted in the church that you can receive on your hand, you can receive on the tongue. Okay. But let's, uh, let's put our, let's put our, our, not only our common sense, but also our love for Jesus Christ. Let's put that hat on just for a second, if we could. Receiving well, on the tongue versus receiving on the hand. Well, there's a lot of reasons to do it, but one of the reasons is precisely what you mentioned, Zachary, and that is, this is a real problem when the wrong people get the Holy Eucharist in their hands, steal it, and bad things happen. Right? I mean, there's a desecration. What are your thoughts on on returning to you know the reception of communion on the tongue? Because you can't steal the host if it's placed on your tongue, correct? Correct. Um, the Terry and Jesse show asked me a few years ago what I felt about receiving in the hand versus receiving on the tongue. And I said that I would not have a problem with people receiving it in the hand if they touched the host with the reverence of the woman that knew if she could just touch the hem of his cloak, she'd be healed. But people don't touch it with that reverence. People take it in the hand, pop it in their mouth. Every piece of that Eucharist is a complete body and blood of Christ. They're left with accidentals on their hands, which they then take and brush off on their pants. Those hit the ground, and the person behind them grinds Jesus into the carpet. And nobody thinks anything of it. Because 
only 15% of Catholics believe in the true presence, which is weird. That means that more Satanists believe in the true presence than Catholics do. How is it that Satan believes in the body and blood of Christ and Catholics don't? Yeah. That is a that, profound is question strange. there for all of us to discern. Uh, I did a talk at an FSSP church in New Jersey in uh, probably around probably around 2015, 14 or 15, I think. And my friend Father Fryer was a priest there. And he had me do a talk. And when I went in to, to see him in the room we're going to do the talk in, I said, do you have unconsecrated hosts? And he said, yeah, they're in that fridge over there. Why? I said, because somebody's going to ask me about taking in the hand versus the tongue. And somebody else is going to ask me about Satan is stealing the host. And I'm going to need an unconsecrated host to show a demonstration. And he's like, how do you know you're going to get asked those questions? I said, someone just told me that. He was okay. Good enough. So he gets a one out of the freezer. And so I do the, the, I do the talk. And in the talk, I spend most of my time talking about how to split a Baptist church. There's three different methods and the, the method my team used. And I went into explicit detail of how we did it. And my team used gossip. And so when I was done with that, the Q&A started. This one woman in front asked a question and the woman behind her asked a similar question at the same time. One of them said, what do you think of receiving in the hand versus on the tongue? And the woman behind her asked, what do you think about Satanists stealing the host? And father just looks at me and goes, wow, your, your people are accurate. And um, so I said, well, father, can you hand me a host? And we told everybody this is unconsecrated. These are just from, fresh from the freezer. They haven't been consecrated yet. I said, so... Father, you're gonna, how do I hold my hand? Because I've never received in the hand. What do I have to do? So he told me how to hold my hand, put this one under this one, go up, put it like, take it like that, and then pop it in your mouth. I said, okay, well, Father, you do it to me. So I put my hands out, he put it in my hand, I popped it in my mouth. And I said, okay, now all of you just watch that happen. Where's the host right now? And half the room, said I still have it in my hand the other half said it's in my mouth so I showed them my hands it's not in my hand and somebody said well it slipped down your sleeve so I unbuttoned my sleeves and rolled them up I don't have it's not in my sleeves and then I opened my mouth moved my tongue all around somebody got up and looked in my mouth and they're like you know Lift your tongue up, put it down, move it to the left, move it to the right. Tilt your head this way, tilt your head that way. They're looking all around. It's not in his mouth. I said, Father, you were right beside me. Where was it? And he's like, I was looking at you. 
I'm going to guess it's still in your hand. And I said, but it's not in my hand. You can see my hands. I said, now, I will tell you people this. This is the very first time I've ever tried that trick because I've never had access to an unconsecrated host. So I know how to do this trick. I had just never done it. Keep in mind, I've never done it, and you can't find the host on me. When other people do this in the church, they do it multiple times every day. They go to mass, they're going nine times a day and stealing nine hosts. And you're never seeing them steal it. And finally, they're like, so where is it? And I said, you ready? I said, it's in my right pocket. And, and they're like, how'd you get it in your right pocket? And I reached my hand down in my pocket, pulled it out. I said, Father, is this your host? He goes, that is my host. I never saw you do that. I said, you take the host when it's put into your right hand and you put your middle finger on the host to hold it in one spot. Then you act like you're popping it in your mouth. It looks like it has gone in your mouth. Then you pull your hand away and you're quickly doing it, but you're doing it in such fluidity, no one notices. Your right hand goes down, drops it in your pocket, and your hand doesn't actually go in your pocket, just the host does. You have to make sure that your pocket bulges out so you're able to do it. Because if it's tight against you, it won't work. It'll just fall to the floor. And everybody was so amazed at how fluidly I did it. And now I've got a host in my pocket and they never saw it happen. I said, the, the crazy thing about that is that I'm brand new to this. This is my first time of ever doing that. You know, it's like, think about the other people that do this every day and do it nine times a day. And they just travel around going to the different churches, getting as many hosts as they can. You know, at the end of the week, they might have 60 or 70 of them, and they're selling these for five grand a piece. If somebody's desperate, they'll pay $15,000 for a host. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, I, I think in the church, we, we're doing this to ourselves. We do this to our Lord. Um, I think it's important that people hear what you just said, Zach. I think that, uh, you know, it's it's not... It's not other Catholics pretending they're better than the other person. This has nothing to do with that. I'm sure there's people that receive on their hand that believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. I, I, I totally believe that that's the case. Um, you know, I, I, you know I, I've received in, in my hand until, you know, I mean, it's several years ago now, but I, I was just really convicted by, by some of the words that uh, I've read from the saints of uh, something similar to what you said, Zach, where, you know, one piece of, of Jesus is all of Jesus, right? You know, it can be something very small. And if, uh, and we also need to respect and love uh, our priests and the consecrated hands of a priest. And I think that this, these are important things that we need to, to recognize as Catholics. This is something that has been recognized for centuries that uh, they have blessed hands. There's something that's, that's unique about them that's set apart from others. And it's something that's beautiful about our faith, right? So I think it's just so important that we bring that back for our reverence. Somebody asked me at one of my talks, how come I don't receive in the hand? 
And I said, because my hands haven't been consecrated by the bishop. I don't have the authority to touch Jesus. I said, you can place him on my tongue. I don't have the authority to touch him. Wanted to, I, I want to quickly ask you about this because this is something that uh, I know that, that a lot of, a lot of uh, people get into and that is uh, Ouija boards and Dungeons and Dragons. Something that I've seen even in our own church, our own parish, where I've heard some of my friends and their children have gotten into. And when I heard, I'm like, oh boy, guys, what are we doing getting involved with this? Uh, and I bring up Dungeons and Dragons because I, I didn't know much about Dungeons and Dragons and I still don't know a lot about it other than I know something's not right about it. A lot of us know about Ouija boards already and we know that uh, to stay away from that. But I bring up the other one just because I think there's there's sort of these these subtle games that, that can be played, you know, and and it, it is an avenue for the demonic to get into the lives of our children and young people, isn't it, Zach? I think that for D&D, I think it depends on if you're an adult and you're well-formed and you know your faith, you're not going to read a Harry Potter book and decide, hey, I'm going to practice magic now. You know, you know it's evil. You know, you can play D&D without being magic, without doing magic. You don't, if you, if you just went on a campaign where you're rolling a 20-sided die and you're going to go rescue a princess or you're going to go find some jewelry so that you can finance your campaign and then you go rescue a princess or go slay some dragons somewhere, it's a fun game. It's a math-based um, live action, like, I mean, you dress like your, your, your character and you act like your character and you have a dungeon master that rolls the die for you. So it's not you cheating by rolling the die 30 times. Do you get the perfect 20? You know, he's going to roll the dice one time, you know, go, okay, you rolled an 18. You're probably going to succeed at your, you know, whatever, but you know, it can be a very fun game to adults that know what they're doing and are willing to play it clean. You're not going to play it with, you're not going to be talking about topless winches running everywhere, you know, and the things that people are apt to play, you know, about, well, that we were surrounded by prostitutes, so we took advantage, you know, or something like that. If you're playing the game in the way it was meant to be played cleanly and without adding magic to it, and you're an adult, you're well-formed, you know your religion, you can have fun with the game. The problem comes is that children are not well-formed at anything. And if they see a game with magic in it and the potential to do magic, they're going to do it. And, you know... They the games really should be played by adults, and I imagine when they came out, you know, when they first came out, I was playing D and D at ten years old, and all my older friends, my friends were like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, they all played. You know, it's like a game for math nerds, and you know, but I loved. I was always the magician or the wizard or the sorcerer because magic consumed me and I wanted magic to be real. 
So I was always doing magic in that. But, and, and the magic spells in it back in the day were real. They went to Satanists back then and said, we want real magic spells. So our game seems authentic. So if you followed some basic rules, like taking all the magic out, so don't play with actual magic. If you can, don't play with a magical character. The problem is you, you need magic in some instances. And what you're doing, the magic in there doesn't have to be a real magic spell. You know, it can be, we've entered a cave that's completely dark. Uh, the magician comes out to see if he can get the torches to light. And he tries to light the torches. The magician now rolls a die. And if you're rolling probably 15 or less, you're not going to get light. If you roll 15 or higher, you get light. That's not a magic spell. That's just playing the game. And if you roll the die, you roll the die. Whatever happens, happens. But the way I played, you did the actual spell for light. Right. So, so I mean, parents should be discerning, especially when their kids are playing these games, right? Of, of how they're, especially Dungeons and Dragons, of how they're playing the game. And if there's actual magic involved with it, or if it's more just a, more of a math uh, game, right? Or a or I guess a strategy game or a game of chance, right? The parent shouldn't think, I don't have time for this crap. Let my son do whatever he's going to do. You should have time for that crap. You should sit in there and mm. see what is your son doing. Just because your son says he's got it under control, when's the last time your son had something under control? <laughs> That's you right. Know, when, yeah, for sure. We, we, we need to be involved with our, our children's lives 100%. Yeah, you know what? The Ouija board, is there any any reason under any circumstance should any person, Catholic or not, even touch that game? Uh, no. There's nothing safe about it. You know, it is uh, a demon that comes with the game. And, you know, they have those now that say Barbie on them and have glitter, pink glitter on them. Yes. Yeah. And they have them that are the girls Ouija board that is covered in pink glitter. Uh, I saw that probably 10 years ago. The Barbie one we saw, I think, last year. Might have been this year. But it was a, it was a Barbie uh, Ouija board. You know, and uh, did you guys get the Charlie Charlie Challenge in Canada? I've heard about it. Uh I've I've heard some uh, some things around the world about the the Charlie Charlie Challenge uh, from I guess it was a couple of years ago, but I haven't heard anything uh, specific to Canada. But I'm sure it's uh, you know everybody can plug into the internet. I'm sure they can uh, have access to that. And again, something an example of children and young people really need to be monitored uh, by their parents that love them and need to take care of them. And well, right? here in America, not only did it sweep through our country like wildfire. Mm -hmm. But Good Morning America featured it on their show. Hmm. And they showed parents what kids were doing and how to play the game. And then they encouraged all the parents to play the game with their child okay. and find out what questions the children were asking. Mm -hmm. It's like, really, are you not familiar with the term mortal or venial sin? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you not understand that you're encouraging parents to sin with their children mm -hmm. you're encouraging them to 
violate the first commandment. Yes. You know, the, the, the game is you draw a circle, a large circle on a piece of paper, and then you draw a giant cross in it, basically just a plus sign. So from the top of the page to the bottom, and then from the far left side of the circle to the right, and then that creates four quads. And then in the empty spaces, you write yes, yes, no, no. Then you put a pencil in the middle and you put another pencil on top of that. And then you say some words asking Charlie to come help you. And Charlie can mm -hmm. only answer yes and no questions. And the point of the pencil and answer yes or no. Now, when I was learning how to play the Bloody Mary game in school, we had a girl that showed up in the school year, like halfway through, and she had a game all that. It was called something else. And she would do the piece of paper, draw the circle, put the cross, put yes, yes, no, no, put a pencil down, put another pencil on top of it, ask for her uncle, somebody to come to the room. And she said, when you feel a cold breeze, my uncle is here. Well, sometimes she would do it. And sometimes you'd feel the cold breeze and sometimes you wouldn't. And if the cold breeze came through the room, she could ask it up to five questions and the top pencil would spin. And sometimes she would say, uncle, whatever, can you just spin the pencil? And so the pencil would just sit there and spin in circles, but not, it's not stopping. Now she's the only one that could get it to work. No one else, everybody else in the school tried it. Took about a week for it to go through the school. Nobody could get it to work. So nobody played anymore. Hmm. But in the United States, it seemed to take off, but that was like, it was like a cheap version of a Ouija board. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go out and spend 20 bucks on a Ouija board. Just need a piece of paper and two pencils. Mm -hmm. You know, and people didn't understand why is this game bad? It's like, well, you're not asking your uncle Charlie, you're asking a demon. Yes. Hmm. You mentioned yeah. something in a previous interview, Zach, and I think it's important. Uh, it was a, a, a excellent point that you'd made about children honoring their mother and their father. And when they, it had to do with, you know, if they fall outside the bounds of the authority, if they're, if they're living a life of sin or they fall away from, um, from Christ in some way, even as young people, they fall away from the protection of their parents. Uh, and this has been, this is a responsibility given to moms and dads to be, especially the father, to be the spiritual head of their home and of their family. Right. So when kids fall away from it, they fall away from that protection. Can you kind of expand on that maybe just a little bit more too? Sure. What a lot of people don't realize, and this is children and adults don't realize this, is that you have an umbrella of protection over you that follows you from your baptism. And as long as you stay obedient to your parents, you're under that umbrella of protection. Hmm. When you decide to start sinning and step out and stop being obedient to them. You know, it's such a big deal to be obedient to them 
it was made one of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. You know, God meant it. This was a serious thing. Honor your father and their mother. You know, it's like you are to do what they say to do. Don't think, oh, I'm going to have some fun and tell a few fibs and I'll be okay. And, you know, that that's a mortal sin. You don't realize this. And doing the mortal sin, that there's things that, like, you know, is cussing a sin for an adult if he's not taking the Lord's name in vain? I'm not sure. Is it just a bad habit or is it a mortal sin? What makes it a mortal sin with a child is that the parents has said, don't cuss. Don't use these mm -hmm. words. You were dishonoring mm -hmm. me as a parent when I hear you say those things. And then they go out with their friends and they cuss because our friends cuss and we want to be cool. But you being cool is putting you in a state of mortal sin. And you're so you're not only breaking the, the commandment that your parents told you about, don't cuss, but you're also dishonoring your parent. Yes. And the demons know what you've been asked, what your parents right. have told you to do and not to do. The demons know, and they can read your soul. They know the sins you've committed. You know, mm -hmm. that's something I don't understand. Why I had a Protestant that asked me at one of my talks, like I told him that only an exorcist priest can do an exorcism. Only somebody that's been ordained by the bishop can do an exorcism. He stood up to tell me he was Protestant. And he knows he can do an exorcism because Jesus did them in the Bible. And I said, you know, Jesus was God, right? And he says, Jesus was God, but he did an example so that all of us can follow. And I said, okay, before you keep going with that train of thought, there's a lake right out there. When you can walk across that lake, or you can turn water to wine. You do both of those things, I'll let you do exorcisms. Mm -hmm. And you can do everything that Jesus did. <laughs> suddenly, That's, uh, yeah. suddenly he wasn't, why, well, blah, blah, blah. Jesus did this so I can do it. I was like, we'll wait, go ahead. He's like, what do you mean? There's a, there's a whole lake out there. First walk across it, then when you're done, turn it to wine. And, you know, and he's like, well, I, 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 I can't do that. But you just said you can do whatever Jesus can do. An important distinction, for sure. Isn't there also, um, I was just trying to uh, see which uh, scripture passage that was, but the the passage that's involved with, with a demon leaving, but then coming back with more. Uh, where where is that in scripture? I'm trying to I just couldn't think of it off the top of my head. I don't remember where that is, but it's a reference to. Let's say you decided to, um, come in and bless your house. Have a priest come in and bless your house, but you don't go to confession. Right. And none of your family goes to confession. You just came in because you heard this is how you get rid of demons. So you, you have an infestation of one or two. You have the priest come in and bless your house. And then that's all you do. And now because 
your mortal sin is attracting more demons, that demon that left comes back and this time he brings 30. Yes. Yeah, it's from the Gospel of Matthew. I just checked it here uh, from chapter 12. Uh, yeah. So it returns and finds its uh, former home empty, swept in an order, and the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the same person until they live there. So that's, uh, yeah, from, from Matthew. It's funny. Interesting. Yeah. So many people, like, okay, the Bible's been the same for 1,500 years, maybe longer. And yet, there are people that have never heard of spiritual warfare. I was at a spiritual warfare conference in 2015 in Ireland. And this woman during the Q&A, she raised her hand and she said, I just now found out about spiritual warfare and I've joined the fight. And I said, how old are you? And she said she was 40. And I said, well, congratulations. You've been in the fight for 40 years and nine months. Congratulations on finding out about it and deciding Mm. to fight back. Mm. And, and everybody laughed in the room, you know, she's feeling kind of bad because I said it and everybody's laughing at her. And I said, all you people that left, got no reason to laugh. Hey, however old you are, add nine months to that. That's how long you've been in spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. As soon as your mom found out you were pregnant, which pretty much was pretty soon after, just before the devil found out she was pregnant, mm-hmm. he started trying to have you aborted. Right. Oof. I said, if you're here, if you're hearing my talk, you should order your mom some flowers when you get home Mm. and thank her for not aborting you. Yes. I had a woman call me one day and she said, I don't know who you are, but I have nine children and eight of them attended one of your conferences and all eight of my children sent me flowers today. Only one of them didn't. And I asked, what's going on? How did I get, you didn't send me flowers. And he said, um, I don't, I just didn't send you flowers. I don't know why they did. So then she called some of the other ones. And they said that one of them said, you should thank Zachary King for receiving these. So she called me, but she talked to her children first. And then she called me and, um, I had told him that, well, I I announced to everybody that was there, if you're actually here, if you're paying attention to this talk and you're live, you should thank your mom for not aborting you. You should maybe send her some flowers. So all eight kids were at my talk and they decided to send her flowers. You know, the topic of abortion and euthanasia, um, I'm sure there's, there's a lot that you have to say about that too. Uh, can we save that for another time, Zach? Will you, I know that they didn't, uh, it wasn't God's will that they let you into Canada, they let you into Canada before, but hopefully, uh, you can come back on at least the podcast out of Canada. Uh, you're, you're welcome to come anytime. Uh, maybe before we let you go though, I wanted to ask you about, uh, what saints outside the blessed Virgin Mary, I'm sure you, you highly recommend, uh, her intercession as well, but what other saints can we, uh, look to uh, as their for an example and also for their intercession 
to help us in this uh, battle of spiritual warfare here? My favorite um, novenas to do are Mary Undoer of Knots. Yes. And and the the Seven Sorrowful Mysteries. Mm -hmm. And for anybody that's looking for a job, St. Joseph has never let me down. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't look for jobs now. I have this ministry, but prior to this, when I was in the secular world, um, usually within the nine days, St. Joseph had me a job. Mm. And my favorite saint right now is is St. Expeditus. Okay. Are you familiar with St. Expeditus? No, 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 never heard of St. Expeditus, but sounds interesting. What a great name. This is a gentleman. (laughs) What a great name, St. Expeditus. Yeah. Okay, St. Expeditus lived right after the time of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And St. Expeditus was a Roman centurion. And St. Expeditus was pagan. He was worshiping all the pagan gods that were nice because he wanted to be a good man. So he didn't worship gods that demanded sacrifice child sacrifice, adult sacrifice, even animal sacrifice. He didn't do anything that required you to kill somebody. He just wanted to be a good man and worship the good gods that he thought might get him to heaven. And one day, Satan appeared to him. Satan appeared to him and told him, do not convert to Christianity. And then Satan left him alone. And he realized that Satan identified himself as Satan, told him not to not to become a Christian, and then Satan left. Like, off a smoke, he's there. Off a smoke, he's gone. St. Expeditus, he's an intelligent man. And he realizes that if the enemy of the Christian God is real, then the Christian God must be the one true God. Mm. So... He converts himself to Christianity, finds a group of Christians, and they baptize him. So he gets all of his sins forgiven all at once. He goes, he's in Rome, and the the Caesar calls him before his throne and says, did you convert to Christianity today? Yes. I've got some things I've got to go do. When I come back, I'm going to ask you again. And if you say yes, I'm going to take you out back and have you executed. So the Caesar leaves and he thinks and he realizes that Jesus died on the cross for him. And since he's the one true God, I should be willing to die for him as well. So when Caesar comes back, he asks him again, did you convert to Christianity? Yes, I did last chance i'm going to take you out there and have you executed if you say yes are you a christian yes i am so he had him taken out and executed so when that day started saint expeditus woke up determined to be a good man today just like he did every other day he didn't know satan was going to appear to him he didn't know satan was going to tell him not to become a christian but he realized that since Satan is real, God must be the one true God. So he converted. And he got baptized that day. He had all of his sins forgiven. And then he martyred. 
So in one day, he woke up, met Satan, converted, got baptized, had all his sins forgiven, went to heaven. Wow. One-way ticket, first class to heaven. <laughs> and what wow. an awesome name he's got. Mm -hmm. St. Expeditus. Mm. I have, well, my wife, before she was my wife, she'd been taking, I think she told me she took the driver's test 24 times in California. Oh my. Yeah. She would, she would take it. She would think she knew it. She'd take it. She'd fail it. Yeah. She would study it again, take it, fail it. You can take it up to three times at once. When you pay for it, you can take it three times. She kept doing that. She kept failing. And she was calling me at one time. It was like every day. I was like, you take your test today? Yeah. How'd you do? I failed. So finally, she's taken it, like I said, 24 times. I said, I'm going to pray a lot to St. Expeditus tonight, and you're going to pass it tomorrow. She was like, it's just going to be another time that I fail. I was like, no, you're not going to fail this time. I told you, I'm going to pray hard to St. Expeditus. He does everything that I ask him for. I asked St. Expeditus for a bishop's letter, and I got a bishop's letter. And I got it like a week after I asked him. Everything that I ask him for, I get. I get. And so I prayed. And the next day she called me, told me she was all excited because she passed. And I said, and she goes, thank you. I said, that's not me. That's St. Expeditus. Thank the right person. When we were living in another part of town and my landlord said that in Kansas, only four people can live in a two bedroom apartment. And we had five people living because when I married my wife, I inherited three kids. So now there was five of us living in a two bedroom. So we had to look for another place. So we started an Ovina to Marianne Dewar of Knots and St. Expeditus. And we found the house that I'm living in now. We found it on the first day, but I wasn't sure that this was the right place. So we continued to search for the other nine days. On day nine, the landlord from this house called us and asked us if we were still interested in the house because he was holding it for us. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's our place. That's the place we're supposed to be living in. Uh, that's and fantastic. We, and we've had other things that have happened. And I've prayed to St. Expeditus. And he always gives me what I want, very timely. You know, I, I, I've got a podcast going right now. And... Mm -hmm. Friday. So we post about 20 a month. Mm -hmm. And it's been going now since, let's see, June, July, August, September, October. This is podcast posted. And one of those, I, I talk about the secret of how to get everything you want. Mm. When I say this, everybody wants to know the secret. And then I tell them the secret and they all claim they know that secret. So then I say, do you have everything you want? No. I mean, you sound so disappointed. I and mean, there's, there's a very short list of what I have left of what I'm asking for. Hmm. I don't have very many things left to get, but every once in a while, a new thing comes up and I'll ask St. Expeditus for that. He gives it to me. So the secret of getting everything you want, is to make sure everything you want is what God wants for you. Right. Yes. You know, if what you want is what God wants for you, 
he will give it to you. He wants you to have it. You know, and I mean, we even asked for, we had a dog and he was too big for my wife to handle. So she said she wanted a dog that was a puppy when she got it. And when it's fully grown, it's still a small dog. But it has to be free because we don't have any money. So that's what I asked Saint Espeditis for. I need a puppy. That's a puppy when we get it. When it's fully grown, it's not much bigger than a puppy. And then it's free. Whatever you can do for us, you know, and it'll be well loved. I've got three kids and two adults. We're going to love the dog. I think it was the next day we were given an American Eskimo miniature. Amazing. For free. And it's like a, I... it's like a $900 dog. Wow. That's the dog. I just looked. I just looked at the word expedite, uh, and it's a it's a verb, and the the meaning is make an action or process happen sooner or be accomplished more quickly. So it sounds like uh, that's the uh, that's the uh, the mission of Saint Expeditus from heaven for us, isn't it? Right. You know, and if I could leave you with one more gem of wisdom, you cannot sell what you do not own. If you think you have sold your soul to the devil. What you have done is given your will to the devil. If you go to confession, you can give your will back to God. Because you cannot sell what you do not own. Hmm. What a great message of hope for people that think that they're in a spot that they just can't get out of. Zach, this has been an absolute honor. Thank you for for sticking around this long with me and your friends in Canada and across the Universal Church. We really appreciate it very much. Maybe tell our listeners one more time how they can get a hold of you, your website, and if uh, they'd like to make a donation to your ministry, how can they reach out to you? It's uh, allsaintsministry.org. We have um, a book available there, some CD sets, some CDs. Um, I have Abortion is a Satanic Sacrifice. is a book and a CD set that tells you how to shut down abortion mills around the world. Um, also on my contacts page is my PO box and my, um, my phone number and my email address and my, um, and there's a link on my main page. There's a PayPal link. If you want to make a donation that way, there's, um, a fundraiser called life funder. If people want to donate that way, or if you want to send a check or a PO box, or a check or a money order in my PO box, you can do that as well. You cannot sell what you do not own. What a message from Zachary King and something I think we could write on some t-shirts and coffee mugs and remember that saying uh, for the rest of our lives. Jesus is the one that owns our souls, right? And he is the answer to everything that plagues our society. All the ills of this world can be cured by Jesus Christ. And I'm so confident and I'm so blessed to be a member of the Catholic Church that we have the sacraments and the graces and the communion of saints to help us along the way, all these great tools at our disposal in order to help us on our journey to eternity. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Canuck podcast, everyone. This was the second of two episodes with Zachary King. I encourage you to go to our previous episode where Zachary made his first appearance in the first half of this conversation. Follow us on X on Facebook and drop me a line anytime. Love hearing from listeners all around the world, all across the Universal Church. We belong to 
a great church. A lot of noise out there, I know, in the church and in the world. But remember, let's cling to Jesus Christ. For indeed he is the way, the truth, and the life. And whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that, my friends, is something you can take to the bank and not have to worry about the future of that deposit. And he's left us the bride. The bride is the Catholic Church, the pillar of light, the pillar of truth. And living a sacramental life is so important for us uh, in this day and age, and well, every day and age since Jesus walked at the face of this planet. And that is so important that we go to Mass as often as possible, not just on Sundays. Let's go as often as we can. Let's receive communion as often as we can, worthily discerning the body and blood of Jesus Christ and going to confession often. We got to go at least three times every year. Every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. Chat with you very soon.